Good morning, church, and um, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. What an exciting day to uh, to preach on Mother's Day. When you say Josh Kruger is preaching this morning, you better specify because there are three of us. Uh, I am here. My son Josh is here, and my grandson Josh is here. Whew. Exciting times that we get to share. So it's an honor for me to preach. It's specifically uh, joyous for me to preach with Josh and Lisa and Joshua visiting from South Africa um, and having them here this morning. So thank you for the opportunity, Matthew. Thank you for the prayer. I need it much. Follow me. Those words two of the first words that Jesus spoke in the beginning part of his ministry. He spoke those words to Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew as they were fishing by the Sea of Galilee. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they put down their nets and they followed him. Sounds pretty harmless, right? Jesus said, follow me. They heard, follow me. They laid down their nets and they followed him. What we sometimes do not realize is that this call that Jesus called them with that morning or afternoon, follow me, was not simply those words, follow me, but those words said, follow me and die. The call to follow Christ is a call to die to ourselves. And through the ages, this call has been to all of us still today. Follow me. Come and die to yourself. There is a cost involved in following Christ. But unfortunately, through the ages... People and churches and cultures have stripped away the meaning of what, it, what Jesus meant when he said, follow me. And now often people are taught, if you want to be a follower of Christ, all you have to do is pray this sinner's prayer. And all of a sudden you're a Christian. Doesn't matter what your life looks like after that. You've got the prayer. And people's lives look the same with no change whatsoever. And God is just there for when the storms happen so that they have something to fall back on. But church, may this not be so for us. May we realize the gravity of the call, follow me, and still be willing to lay down our nets immediately and follow him no matter the cost. As we do this, we will see a promise. We will see a promise that to follow him, we will save our lives. This is the promise we will see in this passage this morning. Follow me and you will save your life. Now, if those words create a little bit of attention in you, Josh, did you just say you will save your life? Then I want to say relax. 
There is only one way for us to be saved. There is only one way for us to taste the sweetness of eternity, and that is through faith in the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross. There is only one way. We agree with what Peter said in Acts chapter 4. He said, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. But what we will see this morning is that there is a way of living A way of living that God calls us to that will lead to salvation. Does this contradict faith? Salvation through faith? It does not contradict salvation through faith. But what it does for us is it shows us, it will define for us what does faith in Jesus Christ mean look like practically in your and my life. There is a lifestyle that God calls us to that will lead to salvation through faith. So please open your Bibles with me this morning to Mark chapter 8 as we continue to study the book of Mark. And we're going to read starting in verse 34. Now, some people are going like, Gene already preached on this last week. Yes, he did. He didn't do a bad job, and I'm going to do a different, better job. It's just a little better application. We took the chance while he's not here. Last week, Gene showed us that in this passage, a little earlier in chapter 8, there was a question that Jesus asked. He asked the question, who do people say that I am? And the answer from Peter was both a defining and a dividing moment in time. Because Peter's response was something that did not come from Peter. Peter's response was given to him by God when he said, you are the Christ. You are salvation you are the messiah you are the redeemer that we have been waiting for and in that moment the revelation that peter spoke split eternity passed we were looking for this messiah and now here he is standing in front of peter and so this morning we pick up in verse 34 of mark chapter 8 so please read with me And he called to him the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what can a man give in return for his life? For whosoever is ashamed of me and of my words in in this adulterous and sinful generation, 
of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. We would expect Jesus, after Peter said, you are the Christ, we would expect Jesus to say something like, yes, you are right. I have come to overcome sin, to banish sin, so that you all can have salvation for free. It's not what he said. What he said in verse 34 and 35 is that he said, If anyone would come after me, if you need salvation, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. And so in that moment, we see that Jesus did not say, I will just give salvation to everybody, but there will be a lifestyle. There will be something required of you if you want to be my follower. And here it is. Let me tell you what it is. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to look at two things. How to lose our lives. How to save our lives. We'll see that there is a promise in there for us. So let's start by looking at how do we lose our lives. This passage is not very vague when it comes to this question, how to lose your life. Actually, it's pretty clear. It says simply eight words. Whoever would save his life will lose it. And so we might ask this morning, who in their right mind would try to save their life? And the, question, the answer is equally simple. All of us. We all do this. We all do this in several ways. You see, we try to save first our physical lives by living self-serving, selfish lives. We call it self-preserving. We live lives that that we want to live. We do what we want to, when we want to, the way we want to. We serve ourselves. We preserve ourselves to save ourselves. We make wise choices. We decide to live in Midlothian because it is safe to live here rather than live downtown where it's very dangerous. We decide to make lots and lots and lots of money to give away. Actually, it's just to boost the bank account. And friends, what we do in itself may not be bad, but when this is the focus of our lives, then what we do is we intend these things to save our lives, to make it nice and happy and comfortable for us. We also try and save our spiritual lives. We do this by being good enough. I have never killed anyone. I'm a good person. We do this by living in obedience. Again, this is not bad. We need to live in obedience. We become regular church attenders and we have devotions every morning at 6.05. 
when I have my devotions. And really by doing that list of things, I count on my self-righteousness. I count on me to save me. Sad to say that this is the disposition even of many Christians. We know that salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone. But there's this little bit of us that says, can I maybe just add something? Can I add some of my own righteousness, some of my own good works, some of my own ability so that I can sweeten up the deal a little bit, so that God can be satisfied in me and so that the salvation that I get will be more solid. You know what this is called, church? This is called idolatry. Because when we look to anything else than the absolute grace of Jesus Christ to save us, we hold up an idol that we think will save us. We can add nothing. Ephesians 2 says, For by grace you have been saved. Isn't that an amazing scripture? For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. Church, trying to save our lives is not the lifestyle that will lead to salvation. Mark 8 says, whoever would save his life will lose it. So what is the flip side then? How do we save our lives? Again, this passage has a lot to say about this. We just saw in Ephesians, it says, to have a saved life is by grace through faith. But then we see in this passage that we read this morning, it says that there is a way of living, a way of living that God calls you and me to, that will lead to salvation. It is not opposed to faith, but it will expose the faith. It will show what it means when we say, I have faith in Jesus. What does that mean? Does that mean I just keep on living the way I want to and just think, oh, I believe in Jesus? That's not what it means. And this passage makes it very clear what is on display when I say faith in Jesus Christ. So Mark says, whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospel will save it. Remember those words, church, for my sake and the gospel. You'll hear those words over and over as, as, as I preach this morning. Whoever loses his life, not just loses his life, but for my sake and the gospel will save it. So lose my life, how do I lose my life? When you look at verse 35 and verse 36 and verse 37 and verse 38 of this passage, there's something interesting there. Each of those four verses starts with the same word. What is it? For. 
for. It says for. So verse 35 starts with the word for. When we see in the Bible the word for, we need to go like, okay, something was just said that explained better that I'm just going to read. So it's like we need to backtrack and see what was just said that this word is now saying for. It's like Josh is going to traffic court for he was speeding. So if I just tell you I'm going to traffic court, you won't know. I'm not really going to traffic court. But if I was, the four will tell you the reason why. So when we look back, when, when, when verse 35 says, whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it, we need to look back at verse 40, 34 to see what does it mean to lose our lives. And so verse 34 says, if anyone would come after me, let him do three things. Let him deny himself, let him take up his cross, and let him follow me. And this is the lifestyle that we are called to that will lead to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have to take some time this morning to see what does this mean? What do those three things mean for you and for me practically in our lives today in this age it starts by saying let him deny himself you and i as humans love to live for ourselves i love to live for myself i think i'm the most important person on a daily basis and most of what i do is to satisfy me Most of what I do are things that excite me, things that I get a benefit from, things that I find pleasure in, things that feel good, things that I get acknowledged for or that I'm good at. That's what I live for. And as a result, we spent a lot of time and resources doing self-serving self-gratifying things work pleasure sport recreation and we spend less time doing those things that the bible holds up as precious caring for infants and widows and we can go a long list of things here what the amplified bible says about denying yourself. Like the Amplified Bible, sometimes it kind of explodes what something means. So when the, when the Amplified Bible says we need to deny ourselves, we just said we love to live for ourselves. So what do we do to deny ourselves? This is what it says. It says we need to forget ourselves. We need to ignore ourselves. We need to disown ourselves and we need to lose sight of ourselves and our interests. I wonder if there's anybody here that can raise their hand and go like, this comes natural to me, Josh. (laughs) Doing this is simple. But friends, we need to know that there is a distinction that we have to make here. When the Bible says, deny yourself, the Bible is not saying, 
impose on yourself some self-inflicted martyrdom. It does not just say this is self-abasement. I'm just going to sit on a pole somewhere and deny myself. Remember those words that I said earlier that you need to remember. This scripture says to deny ourselves for the sake of Christ and his gospel. And when we deny ourselves for the sake of Christ and his gospel, then that is a lifestyle that will lead to salvation. Any other denial for any other reason is useless in terms of salvation. You see, the significance of denying ourselves is not in the denying, but it is in Him for whom we deny ourselves. The significance when I say I'm going to deny myself is not in this act of me denying but it is the significance is in him whom I am willing to deny myself. Because of him, for Christ's sake, and for the gospel. And this denying is not for worldly gain, but we do gain when we deny ourselves. We gain Christ. The biggest gain we will ever gain as humans we will gain by denying ourselves. Paul says in his letter to the Philippians in, verse, in chapter 3 and verse 8, listen to how Paul describes denying himself. He says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order to gain Christ. Paul's life is, is a picture for us of what it means to deny yourself. And in the process of denying self, to gain Christ. Oh, church, there is a beauty in that, denying ourselves and gaining Christ that we need to grasp. Because when we grasp this, it will become natural for us, desirous for us to deny ourselves. The second thing Jesus said is, take up his cross we need to know one thing. The cross had one purpose, and that was death. In Bible times, if you saw somebody carrying a cross like we are commanded to do here, it means that that person was convicted and they were going to go and die on that cross. The cross was not ornamental. And so when we read Jesus saying, take up your cross, it does not mean carrying a heavy burden. It doesn't mean carrying your Christian burden. It's a heavy burden. It does not mean picking up your Christian responsibilities in your community. 
It does not mean suffering that will perfect you somehow because it's difficult. When Jesus told them to pick up their cross, he, he was saying, die. Die on that cross. Die to yourself so that you can follow me. That is the only purpose of the cross. Losing our lives for the sake of Christ and his gospel. What a worthy cause to die for. We sing the song sometimes, O Wonderful Cross. And there's a verse in there that says, O the wonderful cross, O the wonderful cross, bids me come and die so to find that I may truly live. Interesting, those two words in that one verse. Bids me come and die to find that I may truly live. Die so that I might live. Church, this is because the, the dying that we are called to die for Christ's sake is not really a dying. It is a dying to ourselves in order to live for Christ. It is an exchange of this pathetic life that I live here for the, for the victorious life that Christ wants to form in me and give to me. It is a big exchange Come and die so that you might live. This is what we have been called to when he said, take up your cross. How do I do this? How do I do this at the workplace tomorrow morning? How do I, how do I die for Christ's sake and for the Gospels? And the way that you and I do that is by complete surrender. This again is not natural. We need to die to ourselves. We need to surrender my desires, my hopes, and my dreams. And ask God to form in me His desires, His hopes, and His dreams. I need to be willing to follow Him completely and to obey Him completely. It is denying myself to the ultimate degree is dying to myself for the sake of Christ and the gospel so that I can live for and in him. We read in Galatians 2 and verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And church, this is the picture of what will happen when we die to ourselves. Christ who lives in me is what we are after. The third thing Jesus said was, follow me. So here we see that age-old call once again. Follow me. Follow me. Just look at those two words. Follow me. Because in those two words we see both a loss and a gain. 
When Jesus says, follow, we see loss because I, I have to step away from my own desires and follow. And that's a loss. But, oh, church, if we look at the other word, follow me, we gain Christ. We gain, we gain our Savior. We gain the life that he wants to live in and through us. And as we follow him, you know what will happen? We will become more like him. Because he will form himself in us. That's what Christ will do for us. The call to follow Christ is a call to die. But in that dying, we will gain Christ. I want to read you a, a um, little passage from a book that David Platt wrote. David Platt wrote two very good books, Radical and Follow Me. If you haven't read them, please consider reading them. He talks about this, this loss and gaining in, in the lives of those men that Jesus called to follow him. He says, Peter, Andrew, James, and John believed following Jesus was worth the cost. Even worth the loss of their freedom and their lives. Why? Because they received Jesus. They exchanged their lives for his life. And the results of that exchange were totally in their favor. In Jesus these men discovered a love that surpassed comprehension, a satisfaction that superseded circumstances, and a purpose that transcended every other possible pursuit in this world. They eagerly, willingly, and gladly lost their lives in order to know, follow, and proclaim Christ. That church should be the orientation of our hearts. We need to eagerly, willingly, and gladly lose our lives in order to know, follow, and proclaim Christ. That is what it looks like to follow Christ. Following Christ means desiring what He desires, seeking what He seeks, Loving what he loves, caring for those he cares for, total abandonment of me for the sake of him and his purposes. That's how we follow Christ. When I follow Christ, I do not ask what will please me. I ask what will please Him. I do not ask what will benefit me, but what will benefit Him. What will honor me, but what will honor Him. And as I lay that down, I will gain more than I ever lost. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels, will save it. I have to ask, church, how are you doing with this? Because we cannot hear this, we cannot read this, and then, and then treat this with indifference. How are you doing 
with this. Are you living a life in which you deny yourself for the sake of Jesus and the gospel? When you make decisions, when you are faced with decisions about a very nice new job, do you base that on what will be good for me, what will bring me honor, or do you base that on what will bring God honor as I decide about this decision? How are you doing, church, with, with crucifying your own life? For the sake of Christ and his gospel. How are you doing by with following him? Denying yourself and following him. I know that many of us, me included, if there were three checkboxes this morning and I had to check which ones I've completed... I will give in that form unchecked. But we can know one thing, church. That as we, as we approach God and we ask Him to help us with this, He will be faithful. This is what He desires for us. He will be faithful to help us to deny Him, to deny ourselves, to crucify ourselves. And to follow him. You see, Jesus is worthy of such a lifestyle. Jesus is worthy of this. Jesus was our example in this church. Jesus denied himself when he left the glories of heaven to come here and live among sinful men. He denied himself. And so we can see that. We see in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, My Father, if it was possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus denied himself for the will of his Father. He's an example to you and he's an example to me. We can do this because he has showed us how to do this. Jesus also took up his cross. Jesus physically took up his cross and he was crucified on that cross. He died on that cross. He died on that cross to reconcile you and me to the Father. He died to forgive our sins. He died so that the wrath of God would not be something you and I ever have to taste. He died so that we could have eternal life. So friends, when, when Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and to follow him, he is asking us something that he was willing to do himself. He's not saying, here's some grand idea, do this. He's saying, I am willing to do this. And if you want to follow me, this is what you will do. Denying, dying, and following should be our delight. It sounds radical, right? You bet it's radical. The call to follow Jesus is a radical call. And you know what, church? There is no such thing as a moderate Christian. 
We read in Revelations 3 and verse 16 what is said about the church in Laodicea. It says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Church, there is no moderate Christianity. There is no lukewarm Christianity. There is no Christianity that says, I, I will take as much of this as I want to that is comfortable in my life, and I'll apply this little bit that's comfortable enough for me. That is not what it means when Jesus called us, follow me. This is a radical call. It is not a moderate call. There is no moderate Christianity. This is also a missional call, right? If you hear these words, it sounds missional. Who else? What, what other example do we have than missionaries who leave what is familiar and comfortable and safe and deny themselves that and pick up their cross, die to themselves, go to another country where it's not familiar, comfortable and safe? For the sake of Christ and his gospel. So when we see missionaries, many times we see this exact call to follow me in their lives. But as I was preparing and I was thinking of missionaries, I thought that there's a group of missionaries here among us this morning who do this work on a daily basis. And if you want to know who they are, look no further than a gospel-centered, God-fearing, God-exalting, God-loving mother. Because who else, who else will be willing to deny themselves to sit by a sick child's bed without complaining for weeks? To wash laundry, to clean kitchens and toilets to drive children, to feed them, to help them without complaining, denying themselves. Mothers do that better than the rest of us. Absolutely. Yeah. Where else will we find anyone that is more willing to pray for and counsel than a mother that is not willing to to it's not is not willing to to in the face of adversity bring correction to bring care to bring counsel even when there's pushback they're still willing to do this mothers do that where else will we find somebody more desirous to make disciples for Jesus than a mother for her children. Praying for them. Teaching them about Jesus. Loving them with the purpose of them serving God. Now I know there are moms here this morning that when I say this, they go like, Josh, I missed this mark so far. I'm not like this. 
And I know that there are other people in this that are not mothers that hear this call to follow him and think, we miss this. Maybe this promise, the promise that says whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel will save it, does not apply to me. And so if you're a mother this morning that struggle and you think, I'm not, I don't fit this perfect mold of motherhood, Josh. I struggle with that. I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you that your hope for being a mother should not be in your ability to be perfect and to do everything just exactly right. But your hope as a mother should be in God's redeeming grace. It is only by His grace that you will be the mother that He has called you to be. Remember, mother, that your shortcomings and, 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 and the, the ways that you would love to do things better, those are not just to display your shortcoming. Those are to drive you into the arms of God. So when you find yourself full of failures and flaws, there is a loving God waiting for you with much grace that says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me, and you will save your life. To the mothers here this morning, I want to add my voice to those of your children and those of your husbands. I want to thank you for what you do. Not just because it is Mother's Day, but it is a true fact that you play an integral part in all our lives. Mothers have the ability to love and care and lay down and deny and build up and counsel. An ability that God has given you that is unique and is God-honoring. Thank you for the many ways that you laid down your lives to care for your children. Thank you for the many times that you counsel, that you bring correction, that you pray for them. Thank you for honoring God by being a mother who denies herself, picks up her cross, follows Jesus. May God help you to lose your lives for Jesus' sake in the gospel and in so doing, gain Christ. Thank you so much, mothers, for what you do. Church, may God help us. May God help us to understand this radical call to follow Him, to pursue Him, to lay down to die for ourselves and to follow him. And may he give you the grace to do that. At this moment, I would love to ask the mothers and mothers-to-be, Miranda, to please stand so that we can pray for you. I want to pray for you. If you're a mother here this morning, please stand so we can pray for you. Wow, 
What a beautiful sight. Thank you, mothers. We love you all. Thank you for what you do. Allow me to pray for you. Oh God, this morning, not just because it is Mother's Day, we come and we pray for mothers standing here in this room. Lord, we thank you for each and every mother that is represented here. We thank you for their lives. We thank you for the ways that they serve patiently, denying themselves, caring, preaching to their children, loving their children, praying for their children. Thank you for the ways that they do that. Oh, Lord, what an amazing bunch of women. You have raised them up. You have given them the ability to love deeper than most other people can love. So God, this morning I pray for each mother here. I pray that you will give them the desire and delight in denying themselves, in taking up their crosses, and in following you. And as they find loss in that, that they will find much greater gain when they find Jesus. So, Lord, bless these mothers. Give them the ability to follow you with, with every beat of their hearts. Let their, let their first desire in the morning be, how can I honor Christ today in my family? How can I honor Christ today in my life? And as they cry out to you for help, will you be merciful to them? Will you give them grace more than they've ever known? To love their children and their husbands and to love you even more. And as they do, Lord, will you form your character in them daily? Lord, I want to pray for ladies here this morning who desire to be mothers and for some reason are not mothers. Lord, I want to pray for hurting ladies in here this morning that would desperately want to stand now with these other mothers and lord i pray for your grace on their lives i pray that you will reveal yourself to them i will pray that you reveal your plans to them i pray lord that you will raise them up for what you have called them for and if it is your will lord i pray that you will give them children that you will give them husbands that you will make them fruitful. And then I pray for mothers here this morning that have lost mothers. That today say, I wish I was with my mother. Will you give peace and will you give grace this morning for all of those? Lord, we rejoice in our mothers. Thank you that you have given us mothers. You have graced us because through the touch of our mothers, we experience your touch. We rejoice in you this morning, Lord. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.